Good morning. Happy Easter. For those of you who don't know, my name's Sean. I'm one of the pastors here, and I'm glad you're here this morning to celebrate Easter with us. Whether this is your first time, you've been coming for years, we are honored that you would take some time to be here and celebrate uh, with us. Hey, um, as a church, and probably a lot of churches, you've been to church before on Easter, we have a bit of a tradition that we like to do on Easter, and so I'm going to show you how it goes. Okay, It goes like this. I'm going to say, He is risen. And then your response, you're going to say, he's risen indeed. You got this? It's very complicated, okay? If you don't know, just follow along with the person next to you. Okay, here we go. You ready? He's risen. He's risen indeed. Oh, you guys killed it. You guys killed it. Um, you know, the first PG-13 movie I saw, I don't know if you remember this in your life. It was a monumental moment for me. The first PG-13 movie I saw was Jurassic Park. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was Jurassic Park. But here's the thing. It, it was it was formative for me as the first PG-13, but it's a it's a weird premise of a movie, right? They find bones, they extract DNA, they miraculously are able to take bones that have been in the ground for millions of years and extract this out and make life out of these dead bones. These dead bones. It's a, it's a it's a bit of a weird premise, but but there's this thing about us. As finite humans who are all going to die, that we have this obsession with stories of things that were dead and come to life. Another movie, a similar era is, you know, the, you remember the mummy, right? Things have been dead for thousands of years coming back to life. But it's not a new phenomenon. I mean, the, the, the iconic book, Frankenstein, Fictional novel, Frankenstein. If you didn't know, that's, it's fictional. It's not, it's not a historical biography. It's a story about a dead thing. A thing without life coming to life. It's an obsession we have. And there's a story in here about a dead thing. In fact, a story in here about dead bones coming to life. Maybe you know the story. It's it's in a scroll in the Old Testament written by a guy named Ezekiel. And Ezekiel's a prophet. It comes in Ezekiel 37, and he tells us about this vision that he has, that God shows him, right? Suddenly he's captured up and he has this vision and he sees this valley, this massive valley. And as far as the eye can see, it is just a valley of death, right? Everything's brown or different shades of brown, brown everywhere, right? And maybe in the distance, just vision this in your mind's eye with me. Flat, brown, dusty, the wind whips through and dirt and dust just flies through the air. And off in the distance, you can see hills kind of rising. And Ezekiel tells us that in this vision, he sees the floor of this valley covered in bones, as far as he can see, there's dry bones everywhere. Dry bones everywhere. And, and um, in Hebrew, the word dry, it has the same root word as the root word dust, right? So these aren't like bones that like maybe there was a war a year or two ago or a plague and the vultures have just finished off their work of cleaning up all of these dead bones. Like these are dry, dusty bones, Right? The, the wind and the sand is erasing these bones year after year, eroding them to nothing. And God speaks to Ezekiel and he asks him this question. He asks him a question that, he asks him a question that 
I would have assumed would have been rhetorical, right? In fact, um, I remember when I was in junior high, uh, we went on a field trip. There was, uh, the, there was this Egyptian uh, museum demonstration thing that was traveling around. I don't know if it's still traveling around. Maybe it's squatted somewhere. But the significant thing about it was that it had King Tut. You remember King Tut? Boy King, right? They, they discovered him mummified in, in just immaculate condition, amazing. And there was all this mystery around him because he was so young. And so there was this traveling Egyptian museum thing that would go around. And at the center of it was the remains of, of King Tut mummified. And I remember in junior high going to uh, this and you walk around and they're showing you a bunch of other old artifacts, but you know, all the pictures and all the advertisement is King Tut. You're there for King Tut. And if you went and saw King Tut, um, you might remember there was this big glass enclosure he sat in. It was like a glass coffin, right? And he sat in this glass coffin and a, a few feet away from the glass coffin was a rope line to keep you from even getting closer to even touching the glass. So you could just look from a couple feet away. And if we'd been there and, and, and the tour guide who was walking through with our class had come to the King Tut demonstration and said, look, here's King Tut. He died 3,000 years ago. We don't really know why he died, but he died 3,000 years ago. And his, his remains are in immaculate, amazing condition. If he'd ask us this question, do you think King Tut could come back to life? Like, even as a dumb eighth grader, right? Because dumb eighth graders become dumb adults. Some things never change. I would know. He wasn't actually asking. Actually, I probably wouldn't because <laughs> my mouth is really big. I would have gone, no, he can't come back to life. And God asks Ezekiel this question. You think these dry bones can come to life? And Ezekiel says in Hebrew, he says two words. The words he says are this, Lord knows. Doesn't that kind of feel Southern to you? Um, I spent some time living in Arkansas. It's, it's something like a good old boy in Arkansas would say, right? You know, man, Bessie's been out there all day. Lord knows she's been working hard out there. Bless her soul. That's, a, that's the way they make fun of your intelligence in the South. To say, bless your soul, Right? Pass me some of that bread pudding. Lord knows. It's got a fun ring to it. It says something when we say this phrase, right? Lord knows. It says something that we acknowledge that we just don't have enough information. Like if, if there's a way for it to happen, if there's a way for it to be accomplished, I don't, I don't know, right? I, I'm a finite being. I have limited information. Lord knows. Can this thing get fixed? Lord knows. I don't, I don't know. If there is a pathway, there's a lot of things. There's a lot of things I can do, right? I can fix some things. I can do some tech stuff. I can slalom water ski. Yes, this big old body can get pulled out of the water. It takes a full-size V8 engine to do it, but don't you worry, it comes out of the water, okay? I can do a toe touch. I'll spare you because I have to preach a second service and I don't want to pull a hammy. There's a lot of things I can do. But if you say, Lord knows, you're saying... If it can happen, I don't know how it can happen. And a lot of times we say this phrase, we say, Lord knows. It comes from a little bit of a posture of despair. It comes from a posture of giving up. 
Maybe you came in this morning. Maybe you came in this morning. And he thought, is my marriage going to survive? Lord knows. What's going to happen with my kids? Are they ever going to show back up? Lord knows. How many more rejections? How many more failures? How many more disappointments? How many more lies? How many more betrayals can I handle in this life? Lord knows. Maybe that's how you come in this morning. With a lot of pain, a lot of questions, a lot of maybe inside, maybe not outside, maybe your body, maybe your life looks like you got everything together, but inside your heart, it looks like a valley of death with dry bones all over. How much longer can you continue? Lord knows. But Ezekiel doesn't say it that way. Ezekiel says it a little differently because here's the thing. Ezekiel has seen things. Ezekiel has seen things that have, that have allowed him to have a kind of hope, a kind of faith. And, and when God asks him a question of a thing that seems impossible, from a thing that anybody of us was sitting out in a field and saw a bunch of dry bones, we would say, it is impossible for these dry bones to come to life. What Ezekiel says is, Lord, only you know. Lord, only you know. Lord, you can do it. I can't, right? I'm at the end of my information. I'm at the end of my resources. I can't do this anymore. But Lord, you can. Lord, you can. And God tells him, God tells uh, Ezekiel in a lot more words, but he tells Ezekiel, he says, to command these bones to breathe, which is a weird thing to tell bones because bones don't breathe, right? But he tells, command these bones to breathe. And just imagine, I mean, this could be a summer blockbuster film moment. Like, just imagine you're standing out, they're brown everywhere. There's bones everywhere. Dust and wind is blowing. And all of a sudden it says in Ezekiel, the bones start to rattle. You know why they're rattling? Because they're bouncing against each other. They start bouncing against each other and bones start moving across the dirty ground. And they start moving and femurs start coming close to hip bones and they start shimmying all together. And all of a sudden you could just see like a camera like flying over the top of this, this uh, valley. And, and you're watching all these bones just rattle together towards together to make skeletons. And once the skeletons start to come together, you start to see tendons starting attaching bones together and muscles start to come. And then all of a sudden from the toes all the way up to the top of the head, a, and a case of flesh begins to wrap around. And all of a sudden there are all these bodies, once dry bones encased in flesh laying flat on their back. And a wind comes whipping through the valley. And as the wind comes whipping across the body, you hear an inhale and eyes pop open and life explodes out of dry bones. It's a beautiful moment. It's a powerful moment. It's an amazing moment. It is an unbelievable moment. But you know what's even more awesome about it? It's after this, God speaks to Ezekiel and he says, look, look, the whole world, everything is like this. Everything is dead Everything is busted and consumed with death and disease and brokenness. All of us, uh, all of us. It, it, is, it says actually later, Paul writes, uh, hundreds of years later, Paul writes, and he says, even creation groans in distress because of the death that's consumed all of creation. But God says, everything's like this. But you know what? Out of these dry bones, I'm going to raise a nation of my people. 
out of death and decay and brokenness and hopelessness and despair and pain and heartache. I'm going to breathe life. You see, um, in Ezekiel's vision, it says the wind came whipping through. In Hebrew, the word for wind is the same word as the word for breath. And, and, and what, what God wants us to see is he wants us to remember how it all began. All the way back in the Garden of Eden, you remember? Remember some words, some important words that says, out of the dust, out of the dust, God formed a man. And then he breathed life into this lifeless thing. See, what, what Ezekiel knew is that God is about the business of making dead things come to life. That that's who he, he's the kind of God who makes dead things alive. And, and in fact, God says, here's how you're going to know that I'm God is I'm going to empty tombs. There's going to be graves and bodies are going to come walking out of these tombs. I'm going to take dead things and I'm going to make them to life. And then we come to Easter and there's a dead body in a tomb. And I love Luke, Luke 24. Some women go to the tomb and they go to, uh, to, to care for the tomb, to, to, to care for the body, all this kind of stuff. They go to mourn. And what they're met with is some beings there, two people, and they talk. And it says this, the women were terrified and they fell to the ground. The men said to them, listen to this. Why do you seek the living one? Among the dead. Why do you seek the living? They're at a tomb. You know what you put in tombs? Not living things, dead things. They came to seek dead things at dead thing places. But the dead thing wasn't there because they knew, Ezekiel knew, that the God that we worship, the God that we celebrate is the God who takes dead things and he makes them alive again. And Jesus, Jesus is just the down payment. Jesus is just the proof of concept. Jesus is just the beginning of the hope that we celebrate. That if God could take Jesus dead in the grave and breathe life into him again, that there is no place, that there is no corner, that there is no darkness, that there is no valley of death in your soul that God cannot do the same. Paul writes later, he says this in 1 Corinthians. He says, but now Christ has been raised from the dead. The first fruits. The first. You know what it means when there's first fruits? That there's more fruits. Right? There's other fruits. You can't have first fruits and not have more fruits. He's the first fruits. For since by a man came death, by a man also came the resurrection. For as in Adam, all die, right? We're all going to die. So all in Christ will be made alive, but each in his own order. He says this, Christ is the first fruits. After that, those who are, who are in Christ at his coming. Ezekiel saw stuff. Ezekiel saw God breathe life into dead things and it allowed him to walk through this world in a different way because he knew that there was nothing impossible for God. That when God looks at him, he says, can all this thing of death come alive again? Lord, you know, you know, I can't do it. But you know, 
you are able to breathe life into the dead things of this world. And that's why we celebrate. That's why we rejoice. And I hope you know that this morning, that Easter is abundantly more than just about a story about somebody 2,000 years ago raising from the dead. Easter is about the promise and the evidence of God that in every part of life and this world, he can bring dead things to life and he can do the same in you. That he is a God who breathes life where there is only hopelessness and despair. And this morning, if you come in, at the end of your wits, exhausted and tired, wrestling with things maybe nobody else even knows about, and you've come in going, how much longer? Lord knows I can't last much longer. I want you to know that the Lord knows and that he is good and he is able to breathe life into your weary and dead soul. And our hope and our confidence is this. He is risen. He is risen indeed. Let's pray.